Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed, and we are going to take a special look, dive deeper, and review Bloodline by Claudia Gray out now. From Delray, this is a great addition to the new Star Wars canon. Joseph, you're here. Joseph Scrimshaw, I should say. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm to this thrilled to be here. Special edition of <laughs> Force Center. Uh, and we have had the pleasure of reading this book. Yeah. It's always a daunting uh, task when a new Star Wars book is in front of you because there's so much expectations, so much things we want to happen in the books, our own questions to be answered, as we have talked about in the last Force Center. How do you tell a good Star Wars story? Yeah. And, and fortunately, we have one here. Yeah, this is an absolutely great Star Wars story. And I think with a few sort of, uh, I don't want to say strikes against it, I want to say negative perceptions that could be brought in from the beginning of the, all of the baggage yeah. of the prequels. And this is basically saying, uh, this is going to be a political book. This is going to be the politics that we left out of The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is going to star... Leia, and you have those questions of like, well, it doesn't seem like Leia ever learned anything about becoming a Jedi. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know as the book was coming out, like how much are we going to see of Han, of uh, young Ben Solo Argana? Is Luke going to be in it? Uh, so there are a lot of things that could make people be wary of like, is this going to exactly the kind of Star Wars book that I want to see? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the triumphs of it, that it is a great Star Wars story. It is a political story. It's about uh, espionage and intrigue. And it is also 100% Leia's story from Leia's perspective, fleshing out this great central character of Star mm-hmm. Wars. And in a world uh, needing strong female characters, this is one of the all-timers. But right. Because of Lucas's writing at the time, which I don't hold him to task for that. It was a different era, but she always was the damsel in distress, though changed later. But even in Jedi, she was uh, secondary at times, uh, most of the time, to Luke's journey. So we've always had her as one of the great all-timers, but the character's not fleshed out as much as we would like. And there was a lot of questions. Yeah, there's questions about Luke (laughs) and Han and everything in Force Awakens, but Leia, princess to general— no Jedi, no lightsaber, yeah. politics, left politics, still in it. A lot of big questions. So that meant there was a lot of answers that we could have been unhappy with going in or coming out of Bloodline. And uh, we're pretty happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. I thought that Claudia Gray's uh, other novel, her first Star Wars novel, Lost Stars, had, mm-hmm. I think she's amazing at prose just as a writer because mm-hmm. it is fun. It is detailed and nuanced, but it is easy to read. It just zips by, and that helps make it feel like a Star Wars story and a Star Wars novel, because it just keeps moving with great intensity. Uh, And I think it did really successfully flesh out Leia's character, Mm -hmm. and the book, we, we learn a lot about the politics of the galaxy. We learn little peeks into Luke and Han's life, which I want to talk about a little bit Mm -hmm. later. Uh, But I think the central idea of the book is where does Leia fit in a galaxy? Mm -hmm. What's her role? What's her home? Like a good story. The main character is still going to be wrestling with a central question. And I feel like even though we learn all these politics through Leia's eyes, that's the central question is for Leia as a character, where does she belong? Where does she want to be? Uh, Other canon books, her, her uh, young adult book, a moving target, Mm -hmm. the princess Leia one, really makes clear her battle between wanting things as a human versus a sense of duty that she was raised as. And then she right. joined the rebellion and what she needed to do was super, super clear. And now that she's older in the galaxy is uh, at least a little bit peaceful and has been peaceful for a while. You know, she's got this uh, pull to maybe retire and just be done with politics and spend some time with Han. She's right. got these tortured memories of the galactic war where she gets power from it because she's honored from her true accomplishments, but she also remembers them as not just fun things, but terrifying bloody things that had to be done out of a sense of duty. So everything through this book has that great sense of uh, emotional turmoil of where do I want to be? Where should I be? Where can I do the best in the galaxy? And it's this great character portrait. And I love when these new Star Wars books or or the comics, too, take something that we are so familiar with and kind of uh, put a new spin on it and answer these big, deeper questions and make it even more of a lived-in world. And to us, like some of the younger characters in this book, the the tales of the rebellion against the Empire is that of myth. Daisy Ridley saying, you know Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's us, too. That's yeah. why I think a lot of us connected with Daisy Ridley uh, as Rey in Force Awakens. So in these books, I want to, I like going back and to have Leia go, yeah, we did some pretty cool stuff, but it came at a cost because it was a war and she should be proud, but not knowing, you know, some PTSD in a way, emotional yeah. PTSD, maybe even physical PTSD for some of these characters. That was that was a big undertaking to overthrow a galaxy, <laughs> and then you have to rule it and run it now. And yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, and just that she has the intelligence and uh, perseverance to run the galaxy, and, mm-hmm. and it's messy and it's never easy, and she recognizes that it's yeah. never easy. Uh, but going back to that point of the way uh, old things from Star Wars are used, I think yeah. that's one of the super successful things about this book as well. The same way the Force Awakens used our knowledge of past events as an audience Mm -hmm. to make it more emotional. Like, you know, Han saying, yeah, I knew Luke. And like, we have that, it has Mm -hmm. that great weight to Mm -hmm. it. Uh, I should mention at this point, there are going to be some spoilers in this podcast. So if you haven't read it, that's yet, this is more of a podcast for people who've already 
read the book. We'll we'll keep it a little spoiler light, but yeah, but it should go out saying if, yeah. if you're reading, if you're listening to this, I hope you at least have started the book. Yes, exactly. We'll try to keep it uh, to the kind of earlier halves, uh, but. I love that so many plot details are, in fact, moved forward by past incidents mm-hmm. of Leia. So the times that we've already spent with her as an audience have weight and resonance moving forward. Yeah. Uh, like when she is meeting with the Nikto mm-hmm. uh, underworld leader and he reveres her as the Hut Slayer. I, can I jump off into that tangent yeah, for a please, second? Because that was do. one of my early favorite moments in the book. No matter what book I'm reading, if it's one of my all-time favorites or a book I don't I don't uh, gravitate to in the end, the books always always start slow for me because I have to go, all right, I'm reading a book. I love reading. You can go in my room and there's this wall of books. But I'm always like, all right, you got to read a book. Got to read a book. Chapter one, I put it down. Chapter two. And there's always something early on that grabs me. And this yeah. was the nap, nap, napkin bombing, which is a big, a big plot point. Yeah. But then it was like Leia watching herself kill Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. That, again, was so fascinating to me because it is something we just grew up with. And then you think the characters in that galaxy would have grown up with it in the way that we have as fans, which is, of course, impossible. makes me a crazy person. But (laughs) um, it's something that maybe everyone didn't know. Uh, You know, maybe maybe some people did know. And so for her to stumble on the, uh, you know, these the the Nyctos who were, you know, for those unfamiliar with the the species, were on the the sail barge and on the skiff. um, Trying to put Luke in the Sarlacc. Luke in the Sarlacc to, to have them be like, we revere you because you killed this guy we hated. And the video footage of and have older Leia watching her younger self, and it's like an out-of-body experience, but she was there. Great moment. It's a beautiful moment on multiple levels, including a sort of complex meta level where, you know, we're learning that, oh, this isn't general knowledge. Mm-hmm. This was just, you know, some captured footage that the Nikto has got. Right. Uh, we get some perspective on how Leia feels about the murder, and then we even get this sort of meta level where for the first time she gets to see it from us, the audience's eyes. Yeah. And that great line about, I, of course, was behind him. I never saw his face. Yeah, right. And then that, so there's this strange meta moment where she's watching it for the first time the way we watch it. And then yeah. you're wondering, like, in the seconds before I read that next sentence, I was like, well, how do you feel about that? Right. And the fact that she is a kind, noble person who is still like, it's really good to see his face as he went. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes horrible things have to be done in yeah. war. I was right to do that, and I'm kind of proud when I watch that yeah. video. It's like, that makes a great, complex character and deepens yeah. the story and deepens her resolve. Yeah, And it also, uh, I think that moment, and there are many others uh, that I think are elegant where she reflects on her age. So yep. that her age is definitely a part of the story. Mm-hmm. But to me, like great uh, sort of anti-ageism stuff mm-hmm. of how uh, incredibly well-equipped she is to still deal with everything that's going on mm-hmm. in the book, mentally, physically, up to a point, uh, and reflects back on just, like, it's not just youth that makes you valuable in the world. Right, right. And there's some interesting stuff, too. With this. I'm trying to set the timeline. It's probably what, uh, if Force Awakens is uh, 30 years after yeah, so Jedi. 24, then? 24-ish. And yeah. So she's uh, in her 50s. Han would be in his 60s. It, roughly, yeah, you know. I think she might have mentioned being in her late forties in the book. Okay, so yeah, somewhere that, in that, that time would make period, sense. Yeah. So um, she's in in the smack dab of middle age. Force Awakens are a little older, so it's a, so it's a it's youth has left her, but it's still she's still young enough. And then so there's some great humorous moments of her yeah. kind of uh, looking at uh, younger men and being attractive. And there was a line about, well, at least he and I can go be off alone, and I'm not. I know he's not going to try to hit on me because <laughs> yeah. I'm an older female. You know, it's kind of a funny but also poignant moment. But also looking back and realizing as she looks at uh, Joff uh, Seastriker, Corsella, of course, from briefly seen in Force Awakens, uh, as they call her, Corey in the book, who's 16. And looking back and realizing, having that moment that we often do, like when I look at my look back and realize my father, you know, was 26 when he had me and I remember his 30th birthday and Leia's sometimes like, oh my gosh, I was like younger than them when I started the rebellion or when I started in the Senate to have some, it really added some layers and depth to uh, the journey, this long-term journey that Leia's going through. Yeah, the the other thing I wanted to say about the way Leia's is presented Mm -hmm. is that it's this great mixture of humor and poignancy, Mm -hmm. which obviously... I think Leia does communicate those things in the film with the little bit that she's able to do. Carrie Fisher infuses her with so much character Mm -hmm. that has the capability of dealing with things through dark humor, Mm -hmm. uh, wry humor, or uh, truly carrying this like depth of sadness in her eyes. 
And I feel like that gets communicated so well in this book. There's so many parts that are just like actually laugh out loud funny mm-hmm. because Princess Leia is the exact kind of humor mm-hmm. that I like of yeah, very knowing, wry, very cutting, like I know kind of both politically and comedically exactly what to say to hurt you. <laughs> and, and Leia, you know, Carrie Fisher is Leia. Leia is Carrie Fisher. Yeah, both world. royalty with baggage, really. Royalty I mean. with baggage. And I, I, Claudia does such a good job of writing uh, the dialogue in this book, like you said, greater prose. And, and uh, the dialogue specifically, like, writes C-3PO very well, which we can talk oh, more yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I can hear Carrie Fisher speaking in a lot of these lines. Yeah, it, I mean, Carrie Fisher is leaping off the page in a way that I think is good. Like, at a, mm-hmm. at a moment, like a couple pages in, I was like, wow, this is so Carrie Fisher. But I feel mm-hmm. like, for better or worse, Carrie Fisher fleshed out what was on the page in those original movies. And Absolutely. she and Princess Leia, more than a lot of actors mm-hmm. and characters, are very, very much the same. I, absolutely. She informed that character so well. Again, Lucas uh, didn't write it much more than it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, New Hope, she's very much what the character's supposed to be in Lucas's mind, I think. And it starts to come in and, you know, walk in carpet and all those yeah. kind of things. But by Empire, this is, this is uh, infused so much with Carrie. So it's always, you've got to capture that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of other things maybe have failed to capture that in the past. Um, even some of the, the the more popular expanded universe stuff in the in the nineties didn't to me capture. It. She's been too stiff, and that's the other. Yeah, you know, I mentioned the sense of humor as a weapon, but it's also probably more importantly used as an emotional defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Of that, she's a realist. She sees the world as it is, and yeah. in order to kind of just deal with, I see this rotten situation, I'm going to make a kind of glib, funny remark about it, and I at yeah. least just get a little bit of joy and perspective out of, out of the moment, and just that general attitude of like, this sucks, but let's go fix it. Let's Here's my it. joke. Yeah, kid, we're going to do yeah. it. Yeah. And then uh, on the other side of it, I think there is this great poignancy, because we get these little flashes about how she feels about Han and her missing Ben, who is already off with Luke, Yeah, and there's this hearkening back to the prequels this good shakespearean tragedy feel to it of you know how this is going to end so wow princess leia is kicking ass and taking names politically sometimes even physically Physically, yeah and you know this is no matter how much good you do in this book much of it will be undone and you will be heartbroken right and that gives it this this weight that I think balances out the comedy and the action. Yeah, it definitely has the benefit of us knowing what's going on later on down the line. So there's a little moments about Ben and yeah, and uh, Luke's out on his weird little mission, and I can't wait to retire with you, Han, and and all uh, those mo- moments that. So you know, that's a little bit to uh, you know, Claudia Gray is fortunate to have those things to work with. Yeah. But again, you could not execute those things well, and it, and it, every one of them did. None of them came off as cheap pops to me. No, it was absolutely earned and and tragic. And yeah. bittersweet and some super of the bittersweet. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the new information we got. Uh, yeah. we, we talked a lot about Leia, but we got the information that Han Solo didn't. Well, basically, we got the information that there wasn't a lot of fighting for our heroes. Mm-hmm. Certainly, that was mentioned. Han Solo has become a racer and a yep. race promoter, instructor. Yeah, uh, we learned that Luke became kind of a private citizen, so yep. he's not. He wasn't running out and solving things as a Jedi that we right. know of for the government right which is what was imagined you know in the other expanded universe huge change that he didn't immediately start a new school that he's not running jedi errands uh negotiating with a lightsaber (laughs) yeah uh and we we do learn that our heroes get years of relative peace we're like there are problems with this wobbly government but it's mostly mostly held together by mon mothma so our heroes can mostly just have a chunk of happy ending. How did you feel about some of those revelations? I, I loved it. And as, as you're talking to to me about it, I'm, I'm actually even forming more of an opinion of, of Force Awakens. Yeah. Because you're right. Growing up, our headcanon, I had episode seven written in my head and the battle still <laughs> continued. Yeah. Timothy Zahn's excellent books, which I'm a big fan of, the battle still continued. And we got so much of that. And we still got uh, the Aftermath series to go through. And uh, I want to know what led up to the Battle of Jakku and finish it, finished it finally. Yeah. It, it didn't end on Endor, blah, blah, blah. Um, say blah, blah, blah in a good way. But when <laughs> Force Awakens comes around, it did not go. It did not start the way I had spent the last... 30 years since 83, thinking it would be. Yeah. The government was changed. There was no official army. Luke is gone. 
Yeah. I thought, yeah, where was his adventures? Where was this? And Han is kind of, in Force Awakens, he's a smuggler, but, you know, we kind of, at some point along the line, we learned that it, he had become a racer. Some of the news bites, I knew this was happening. Yeah. I didn't know if it was going to, it wasn't necessarily about this book, but I, it was established at some point that, oh, you're going to hear that Han was a professional racer at some point after this. So I love it because it made, it, I love Force Awakens take was mysterious to me. Like, how did we get to this point? Yeah. What is the First Order? It's not the Empire, but it's kind of the same. And the Resistance is not an official Republic army. And Leia's not in the politics. And she's not a Jedi? Yeah. That's a whole lot of questions <laughs> that all the stuff you just mentioned, you you start to get answered. And it's a very satisfying answer. Yeah. I can, you're, they won. Peace happened. They rebuilt a government, and there were no peace. This thing every movie, uh, epic movie wants, they got it. On the other side of it was a little bit of boredom or— A little bit of restlessness, and yeah. Yeah. And I love that it doesn't shut the door on— Adventures like we know no, that we're yeah. still going to you know Chuck Wendig's aftermath is coming out yep. life debt we know we're going to get some Han and Chewie adventures yep. no reason he couldn't have adventures as racers there's no reason that Luke didn't go and have some amazing Jedi adventures that don't have anything to do with being right. the errand boy for the New Republic right but it does paint more of a happier picture yep and it leaves some some room open to tell those stories and it, and it really starts to make sense. All jokes aside about no one reads in Star Wars, you know, <laughs> or as I think we learned at one point, no one writes anymore in handwritten. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that is just like an actual detail that's thrown out there. Yeah, um, I the fact that all, all these all these crazy young kids coming up, Corey Sella, all 16 years of age, you know, the, the rebellion was myth. And, and it and it, made, it it does it in a way that makes complete sense so that later on and, and as, as this story unfolds and what we learn more, I'm sure we'll still learn a lot more, but how Leia had to form her own army and kind of became an outcast starts to make more sense to me than it did at Force Awakens. Yeah. And also just just the general knowledge that our heroes were kind of thrust into this battle Mm -hmm. that we know so well, took it on out of duty, out of obligation, out of family, out of all these things. Uh, But then it played everything really close to the vest, including... Mm -hmm some of the truth about their actions during the war yeah you know the huge reveal of this novel in a lot of ways is that the vader thing is a deep deep secret that he is everybody publicly knows that luke and leia are brother and sister but the vader as their father is a deep dark secret being the engine of the story (laughs) in a lot of ways and and I'm trying as a fan. Is it just because we had ex- expanded fiction or universe stuff back then in the '90s, where everyone just kind of knew that it, that that kind of tainted our view of it? Because it makes perfect sense to me now that they would be like, "Let's keep that part secret." Yeah. But I always just it was a shock this reveal in the book uh, when it comes down to the character Lady Carice uh, Cindian discovering this the first one. Uh, to be like, oh, Leia, that Anakin, oh my gosh, it's all wrapped up into one little package there, um, kind of blew my mind, I yeah. gotta say. Yeah, and I, I will say that was my one criticism okay. of the novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I didn't like is that we get this wonderful recording. From Bail Organa. From Bail Organa, which is it's written well, mm-hmm. uh, and laying out all of these truths to be discovered, mm-hmm. and it elides over uh, Bail's interpretation of what happened to Anakin. Like, just the way it's written, she said, and he goes on to detail how he fell. Like, I would love to see, like, Bale's perspective on that. (laughs) How much did Bale know? Maybe that's a whole other novel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good point. Because yeah. he, he had to know a lot, but yeah, no, but that uh, it's a, it, it was literally a mind blowing moment for me um, to re, to learn that uh, oh gosh, no one else knew this. Yeah, that would okay make some sense. Yeah, make I think we just had this picture of you know you're young when you see those movies and you think oh all those uh, all those other people are their friends. Why wouldn't they tell Mon Mothma right. and Admiral Akbar? They won. They, now they can just be loud and proud. Like don't worry about it. And like this is so this is nice and adult. <laughs> yeah, like. But, like there are politics, there are personal feelings to be dealt with. You're just hanging out, celebrating at Bright Tree Village with Wedge. <laughs> like, hey, Wedge, guess what? Dude, that dude, that's my yeah. dad. I found Darth Vader's armor over here, <laughs> burning. How did that happen? Yeah. And Skywalker's like, well. And then it also adds more weight to Kylo Ren to me. Yes, in all the dis- there's all those great discussions of how Leia is planning exactly when he's going to tell him. So yeah. uh, we learn that, that Ben finds out in this sort of aggressive, ugly way mm-hmm. about the truth, which, mm-hmm. yeah, adds to his character a lot and yeah. adds to just the maybe not great parenting job that 
Han and Leia did? Of yeah. Like, hey, we had you. I uh, guess your uncle's doing some weird Jedi crap. Why don't you go do it? <laughs> um, that was that was another great, uh, I think, clarification on the Jedi thing that yeah. I wanted to mention yeah. is that somebody asked Leia directly, like, why didn't you yes. be Jedi? And she doesn't really answer. But then we've got that this great thread in the book, which I really, really like, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe her duty she felt her duty her place was there maybe maybe she was scared of using the force because of her father it's a little ambiguous yeah but i like that they crystallize that she gets feelings mm-hmm. about events and she knows like i really trust yeah. that if i go through this door these things will work out and mm-hmm. it, it uh, connects nicely to when luke calls for her yeah and her moment on endor where she just knows that luke wasn't on the Death Star, it's like yeah. to know that she has to be super powerful for the of the Force, but it is channeled through her in this this very specific way. Yeah, and it's, I think it's it's Castorfo that asks her, I believe, right? I think it's yeah. the character. It's like, why didn't you become a Jedi? Yeah, and it makes sense because there's the, the the early on that she's aware, she gets that note and knows right away to run uh, that there's going to be something bad going on. And there was a weird moment to me. I don't know if you when I'm reading this in the book, it's early plot plot point um she's telling everyone to run evacuate it's gonna there's a bomb something's gonna and she's running and i thought oh maybe there isn't and she's freaking out oh yeah and i thought the care i thought it was gonna go that way but no it goes to the board that she was aware she not, not only just kind of street smart but also maybe a little of intuition with the force there that i was like oh no leia knew, leia is a force sensitive yeah. person and i like that the way that was portrayed that yeah. her that her Everything was going fairly well, and she didn't have anything to be that upset about, but she was so upset. And I love that portrayal of the Force, and it gives me hope that maybe Mm -hmm. we'll see some of that in in movies of, I don't, I'm not going to levitate anything, but maybe I can really sense, like, pilots, don't go to that moon, go to this moon. (laughs) If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It, you know, it's like she has a different kind of uh, force power in a way, like a, like a superhero who would have, a, that's your power, this is mine. Yeah. She, hers is a little bit different, and, yeah. it, and it's in line with her character and her path and her goals of being in politics and being a, a, a politician and, and uh, you know, and then kind of turning away from that, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that. Yeah. I want to talk about 3PO. You brought up 3PO as yeah, well. I think yeah. this 3PO is the other champ of this book. Yeah. Uh, it is great to get to see him doing protocol like mad like actual protocol yep uh and i feel like he has written really well too where Mm -hmm. i think 3po can be a character who can get a little annoying if you push him too far in one direction yes uh and he's just right down the line the kind of the 3po that i knew and loved growing up it's so subtle to say that you can write 3po good or write 3po bad but it's true you can write 3po bad if you just think he's this prissy little English butler, you've missed half the point or you missed the bigger picture and there's some stuff there and he does important tasks and there's a love for him from the other characters, but he's also annoying. And, and the relationship was very believable and the dialogue of 3PO was very believable. And, uh, and Claudia Gray's got to get some credit for <laughs> writing 3PO better than perhaps anyone since George. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I love that that's the story that he spent, he's spending time with her doing what he did uh, with Padme. Yeah. And he doesn't remember. R2 apparently doesn't bother to tell anybody anything. Yeah, I, I like that a lot of this book is about the the connection to her father that no one knows about. And yeah. C-3PO himself also doesn't <laughs> know about his father, Anakin, yeah. the maker. So in a way, it's about 3PO's bloodline, too. <laughs> Thank the maker, Anakin Skywalker. But the great rhythm with Padme. And, I, you know, yeah. the, the book really pulls the best out of the prequels and, and yep. it finds ways to give it emotional depth and what that would mean. Great passage about uh, the research that Leia has done on her yeah. mother and seeing that they have the same eyes and seeing yep. her passion in the Senate. And I love that but I, because I'm, I, I think it's important for authors – and, 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 and even filmmakers in new canon um, to to not shy away from the prequels. Yeah. That would be a tragedy. Uh, this isn't a prequel discussion, but but <laughs> but there's a lot there that's to the, the bigger part of the galaxy that you can't ignore. Right. And there's connective threads that need to be explained. Yeah. And, and the crappiest do. execution can still live in our heart is a story point. Yeah. You know, and she celebrates those story points regardless yeah. of whether you like the way it was executed or performed or not. Yep. Uh, she also goes on some a few cleanup missions here and there, mm-hmm. which it, it's really cool to me that the story group allows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a passage later in the book speaking about C-3PO where he has a very touching emotional moment. And Leia has this quick drive-by moment of going, oh, yeah, I do need to remember that they're not just programming. They have... <laughs> These quirks are not just like programmed in. Yeah. They have feelings. <laughs> they care about this stuff. And I yell at him so much. And then it's something like, but Leia didn't have time to focus on that now. So it was it, it yeah. was true to the character, but also a little bit of a, uh, an acknowledgement to us as the audience of like, yeah, we watch these droids and we, the audience, see that they have feelings, they care. Yeah. And even our heroes just kind of treat them as tools <laughs> often. And it's this great moment of of, uh, of that. There's also the retcon, uh, mm. just total retcon, mm. of Leia putting on an English accent to mock Tarkin. Can we? Oh my gosh, it's early on in the yeah. book. I'm so glad you brought that up. I yeah, how do you that. feel about that? Um, loved it. 
Yeah. Loved it in a weird way um, that it could easily, again, it could go wrong. Same with Lost Stars. We talked about on the Force Center uh, main show. Lost Stars could have gone completely wrong if it was just a Forrest Gump-like romp through the original trilogy. Yeah. Because the characters were there at every point and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there were some, in Lost Stars, there's some little moments where you're like, oh, okay, they were there as well. But like early on when they're looking at the escape pod, uh, I now watch New Hope knowing that, uh, you know, the, the, the girl was, was there off to the yeah. side, you know. She's in um, the data pits. She's yeah. in the data pits. Um, so that's the biggest joke. One of the biggest jokes, again, is is Leia having that British accent. And now it's explained away that she was mocking Tarkin. I literally had to stop, got to put down the book and points because yeah. I love it. I love <laughs> yeah. that you can explain that. Yeah, I hope that there's a Leia sequel and we find out why she spoke so formally to Luke on the moon of Endor mm-hmm. when uh, they're discussed, when he's telling her the horrible truth. Yeah. And she says, I, why must you confront him? Or, you know, yeah. must you go? And it's like, why is she speaking a little bit more formally? Like, and I trust Claudia Gray. She can find an awesome, perfect retcon yeah. for that moment. Uh, a couple of the other things that, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I wanted to talk about booze. Mm-hmm. Claudia Gray in general does a great job of the anti-hot chocolate. <laughs> the fleshing out of the mundane in the day-to-day in the novels in a way that Mm -hmm. sounds believable and still feels like Star Wars. In uh, Lost Stars, she introduced the jet juice that you cook on the, you know, engine blocks of the fighters, basically. She introduces a bunch of just kind of day-to-day stuff in a ton more booze. Yeah. Which uh, I like to drink and I like to make jokes about booze, so there's that. But from a more scholarly perspective, Leia is dealing with etiquette. She's dealing with protocol. She's dealing with how do you work with different cultures. Yeah. And what people eat and drink is a huge part of the culture yep. that they deal with. So the fact that she introduces traditional Alderanian wine. Yeah. And, and all it has of, that memory. Yeah. That it takes her back to her home planet just from the smell. Yeah. So I just, it's, how did you feel about that? Do you feel a, like it's too much? Do you like it? The, it's, you're bringing up the hot chocolate reference to Timothy Zahn, which is yeah. either your, your, your least favorite moment in, in expanded universe canon uh, from the old days or, or, your, or your best, uh, you know, it doesn't, it, 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 I have a fond af- affection for the hot chocolate thing. Because as a teenager, I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, my one of my favorite scenes is her and Castor Foe uh, la- uh, later on, uh, about the middle of the book. Um, pick up noodles. Yeah. And they go back to her office to work and they like, it's like they picked up Chinese food <laughs> and, and yeah. they had like space noodles. And I loved it because uh, in Star Wars, uh, the, the films, you don't, there's not a lot of concentration on, on eating. Yeah. Other than Padme and Anakin. <laughs> You know, having yeah. a romantic date. The, the fruit floating. <laughs> the fruit floating flute. There's, you know, Han's not like, you want to stop for a pizza at any point. Yeah. Which there maybe shouldn't be in the movies, but it's part of this lived yeah. in universe. Game of Thrones, you know, you could make cookbooks, several oh, of them yeah, off yeah. the food. And maybe it's ex- extensive at times, but it adds to the reality of the, this world that these characters live in. So I loved the moment when they picked up noodles. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's a great thing is I don't think it should be in the movies because the movies do mm-hmm. need to move faster. The book moves fast successfully, but then yeah. it celebrates these moments. There's a passage uh, later uh, where Han gets some takeout that he likes that is this big, meaty, cheesy, messy, hard-to-eat thing. And Leia reflects on he can somehow eat this big, disgusting thing while still flying, and he doesn't spill it. And Leia's struggling to eat it elegantly. And like that, that's such a perfect detail, because yeah. if Han Solo was here... In real life, he would be the guy and a guy who'd be like, I'm going to get the messiest taco from the yeah. taco truck. The taco truck that other yeah. people that, you know, Corellians don't go to because it's too spicy. Yeah. I'm going to get that taco. Yeah, you got to think. Okay. And messy and like, yeah, I can eat it. Han and Chewie have probably eaten some good cholesterol high meals yeah. in their, in their like, travels. Yeah, so it's not only fleshing out with just like, I'm going to make up a ridiculous space yeah. word for the food, but the way that the characters eat it, inform That's, the characters, make them more real. That's exactly right. It, it's yeah. not just a throwaway, I'm writing a Star Wars story, so I'm going to make up a new creature or a new plate of food. It is uh, it is executed perfectly in how, uh, how this lived-in world would be. Would function, yeah. yeah. I wrote down, this is the only line I wrote down that mm. I wanted to share because it yeah. just it delighted me. There's so many lines that delighted me. But in particular, uh, in Chapter 5, uh, when Leia's buying around for the house, yeah. basically, as a political move, yep. uh, the droid says... Free intoxicants are among those gifts most welcomed by sentient biological life forms. Like, 
That's just great. That's me at my birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot deny the truth of that. Yeah. Uh, so th- those are some of the big picture things yeah. uh, that I wanted to talk about I- as we review Bloodline. Any other mm. details that stuck well, out to you? Any I, problems that you had? Um, no, no problems per se. It's a really, really darn good book, kids. Um, the politics can sometimes get... Uh, um, it's, it's a touchy word in Star Wars, right? Yeah. Politics. So it, it's very good. It makes all sense. Uh, I get lost in that a little bit. I wasn't completely behind this Castorfo character early on and uh, came around to him just about the time you're supposed to in the story. So yeah. that means I think it was written good. Um, I sometimes... Um, you know, I, I have I'm guilty of just wanting to hear my characters that I know. Yes. So who's had ah, this new guy? So it's like let me get past it. But so I was going to ask you about what do you feel about the the, the Greer and and Joff C. Stryker and these other supplemental characters and, and how they placed into the story in the book and I've, the greater Star Wars universe. Yeah, I feel like they work really well because I think they tap into some a real understanding of Star Wars where the characters are uh, well defined enough that you have a strong specific emotional reaction to them mm-hmm. and in particular mm-hmm. with this one i think like joff c striker was really successful the young hero who wants adventure like oh he's like luke without the force so i immediately have an in mm-hmm. to him and that sense of wanting adventure yeah he funnels back to the sort of the main themes of like leia reflecting on the war yeah and was it glorious or not he's too young to know it's not just glory but yeah. he will find out uh, so I felt strongly about that character because I, I knew exactly where he was coming from, what he wanted. So I wasn't bored by him because I knew right away. And I think it, I, I have a hard time getting into the new characters when it's just a laundry list of what they look like, yeah. where they're from. They start to feel kind of flat. And I feel like Star Wars characters are mm-hmm. passionate and they have usually a very specific focus. Yeah. And the fact that she leads with, what's that character's focus? Yeah. Castrofo we meet as this uptight prissy guy who collects imperial memorabilia and before leia even says it in the book of he seems like he would have fit in just fine in the empire i was already thinking that yeah through this the skill of the writing yeah so i think the fact that the characters are well defined they're no obstacle to me because i just want to learn more i definitely liked them it's yeah it's like early on i have to i have to check in a little bit on like uh joff i didn't like the name c striker i didn't like initially like we had joked about before in the other episode it's either your favorite star wars yep. good name or your, or your it's worst bold. Yeah, it, it is both but it also fits in because yep skywalker is a weird name when you break it down so c striker ain't any different but i came around and liked him i liked this this kind of x-wing pilot who's never fought a battle uh, yeah. So that's an interesting take, and uh, I, I I like the reference to Corsella because it's this, it's the first character from Force Awakens. You're like, oh, that little blip of a character meant something pretty big. The fact that she died in Hosnian Prime with the with the with the Chancellor and, and it had it tied into Leia's story, I I almost disappointed that we don't get more Corsella on screen. Yeah. Um, so to have this character, when when they first were like, oh, and my little intern, Corey, Corsella, I was like, oh, that's good. I want this. I want to see where this character started from. I like that. I liked Greer. Uh, 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 Castorfo, like I came around, like I said, but I... I, I it almost at first I was a little bit like, oh, he's a cocky senator, young senator, and yeah. I, I didn't get invested early on, but I, as it unfolded, and I really liked the, the the collecting of the imperial artifacts we talked about on our Force Center because it, it's reminiscent of people who collect Third Reich stuff um, and, and 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 praising something you shouldn't or praising something you're not fully understanding. Um, and so to have these characters not fully understanding what their love of the Empire means. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, because it does bring it into real life to have yeah. this character who thinks the Empire had organization and structure right Mm -hmm. but then really really personally despises vader so it's that step beyond that like oh the nazis had some good ideas but clearly they had some really evil ideas too but structurally they did some you know government things that were blah 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 it it's nice that it takes that step beyond it to like he has this personal reaction to vader yeah in a reason to like no i truly understand that they were evil i understand they were deeply evil and yet i'm still committed to the idea of the tighter government with more control over everything Mm -hmm. with fewer people to answer to is the way to go forward. Yeah. That makes him a fascinating character. And it also make, by the time he gets a little likable, Mm -hmm. it makes it so like, this is a sincere debate. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why the politics get to be interesting because, uh, you can see the chess pieces and you can relate to them. It's not 
Mm-hmm. It is kind of good guys versus bad guys, ultimately. Yeah. But at the same time, their uh, their ideologies are not crystal clear, yeah. good or bad. And so that makes politics more interesting. And the two factions are now the centrists and the populists. Yeah. Leia's a populist. Um, and it's, and I can, I can attach certain personal viewpoints to the populist and the centrist. It's weird. Yeah. I was trying to say, well, okay, is, is this a Republican to Democrat kind of thing in there? And it's like, no, but then you start kind of like infusing little things in the story. I'm like, is Leia a Republican? Like what's going on? She wants the defense up. Yeah. She wants an army. And then, but then, then there's and something else unfolds. And then the, 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 it was interesting politics. Yeah. It's very it, yeah. weird to me to, to finish reading this on the same day that I saw, uh, Captain America Civil War. Mm. Because some of the same things are going on. I won't get into a huge side, crossing stream side tangent, but just that same the the same ideas are at work. Where yeah. Captain America and Iron Man are both good guys, but they both have these different ideologies, yeah. and there are some similarities to the ideologies of centrist and populist in Civil War. So it feels like, wow, I read a Star Wars book. It's a comic book movie, and I'm filled with ideas about politics and yeah. ideologies. And is a personal ideology the same as a political one? Yeah. And yeah. It's fascinating. It was and it was handled very well. And again, politics are a bad word in Star Wars uh, after the prequels, uh, which is a shame, you know, uh, because it would make sense that uh, this is a uh, you know we're talking about governments and ruling parties and first senators and chancellors and it's politics heavy. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And by the time we get to Force Awakens, Leia has changed her point of view, and and this is where that begins. Yeah, and she has accepted that it is maybe her destiny mm-hmm. to live. A life yeah. of duty and to to do tasks that are not fun, not mm. pleasant, not maybe what she personally wants, yeah. but what is needed of her. And that's where she is at home, ultimately, is where she's needed. Yeah, this this book is uh, it makes that scene in Force Awakens of her and Han talking on the uh, on the base there uh, about uh, she's like you know we both went back to where we were comfortable. Um, that's more post Kylo Ben stuff, but yeah. there's a lot of that scene in the the setup for that conversation is in this book right. of who they are and where they are in their marriage and their lives. You know, yeah, it's and, good. Yeah, and I like that it, their their uh, relationship is portrayed as very loving. Yeah, and it. And it makes it, uh, you know, a little bit, adds a little bit more sweet to the bittersweet of like, we just can't yeah. be together after what's happened to our son. Yeah. And all that. Um, Which is very realistic. And uh, again, one of the favorite, my favorite things they did in Force Awakens. So I'd love to see it flushed out more here. Yeah. It was a yeah. great job. My final question for you is something I've been meaning to ask mm-hmm. in all of our talking about Star Wars that I haven't had a chance. Yeah. When you're reading these books and you've got all these uh, name drops of various species in the Star Wars galaxy, do you get distracted? Do you stop and look them up? I don't, but I do get distracted um, because I definitely know a lot about Star Wars. I definitely can win some trivia contests, but believe it or not, I don't remember the little things. And I will sometimes be like, I still to this day will be like, Maul's a Zabrick? Or is he a Torquenog? Torque I don't know. Yeah. He's a Maul. So I get a little distracted, but I keep pushing forward. Yeah. So I don't know. Are you a stop and read in research? I had been stopping and researching because, like, I mm. want to keep remembering because I get so such delight when mm. there's a species that I know. And this one had two great. It, it dropped a Gungan and a Toydarian. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. great. I wanted to hear both of those. And then sometimes something comes by, but uh, it has to me. I, I've gotten distracted by stopping, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I have forced myself. To do yeah. my duty and read the book. Yeah. And not follow the pleasure Finish of it looking up. it up. And then, then I'll look it all up and make sure I'm, I'm on top of my Star Wars species like a good person like should be. Like a good person should be. Um, should we wrap up at yeah, the end, so. end of it here? And, and, and were you satisfied with the big um, answers and non-answers? Because this keeps the story going related to Leia, the Resistance, the First Order, and all the stuff we kind of come to learn later on. Uh, yeah. Are you satisfied with the handling of that? Absolutely. I felt like the, the book was uh, – it, it was structured interestingly because I feel like it was – here's here's the task is to tell the story of how we kind of get to the, the Force Awakens through specifically the eyes of Leia. Mm-hmm. And then these side characters that first seem to be there just to flesh out the galaxy kind of end up having thematic journeys – that are yeah. similar to Leia's. There's a subplot with Greer that develops toward the end. Yeah. That ties into, I think, the idea of fate and destiny and some things mm-hmm. are out of your control. Right. With her, it's sort of literally blood-related. 
yeah. with Leia, it's her bloodline. Right. And it makes for these interesting thematics that I think ask the reader to question a little bit what we've talked about on, on the podcast about destiny versus free will of what right. things you can control and what things are just gonna happen no matter how hard you try. Right. Definitely. I, I was surprised that this was more a story of uh, the resistance's origin. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But I think uh, I was uh, thinking it was going to be, uh, you know, Snoke was going to show up uh, and be like, guess what? I've got the first <laughs> order. You know, like we're ordering uniforms. Yeah. Uh, not so much that. But yeah. I liked that. And you know what? I think that that's my final thought on the book is I think it is a rightful triumph that it is the story of the resistance because that's Leia's story. Yeah. That's Leia having agency yeah. and making good choices about her own destiny. It's not just about, we learn it's not just about her reacting to the first order. It's yeah. about her looking around, being smart and saying, this is what's right. So yeah. that's what I'm going to do. And you had talked about it off air. Foresight. Yeah. The foresight means Leia She's a smart cookie. That's right. She's not just a sassy princess, kids. <laughs> she is a general. She is a leader. She is clearly the most important woman in the galaxy, one of the best characters of all time. Yes. And I think it was great to see uh, Leia get a story in the new era. The Leia comic does a very good job. It's it's uh, uh, it misfires at times. The five uh, issue arc from Marvel. Check it out. It's got some great stuff in it begins to try to flush out the character. But here, Claudia Gray has an entire book to do it and does it so well. Yeah, yeah. It's great. A great book. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it yet. Uh, we've stayed uh, fairly spoiler light, a few things here and there. Sure. But if you haven't read it yet, please, please go read it. For myself, I think I'm going to go enjoy some jet juice. <laughs> I'm going to go gambling with Leia because that seems like a good time. <laughs> she seems like she knows her way around a casino. That's right. And I like that. Guys, this has been a special Four Center look at Bloodline by Claudia Gray. It's out now. Check it out. I certainly don't think this is the last time Claudia is going to be writing a Star Wars story, and I certainly hope it isn't because she is two for two, Lost Stars, and now Bloodline. Much more to come. Joseph, thank you so much for your wonderful insight on this book. Please tell our Four Center listeners where they can tweet you and give their own insight. You can tweet me on Twitter is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can uh, do Instagram things to me on Instagram is <laughs> at Joseph Scrimshaw and all the other social media sites uh, for info on other shows. You can read my blog. I'm going to try to start uh, doing more uh, reviews and stuff on my blog. Uh, so fi find that at josephscrimshaw.com. Me, at Ken Napsuck, N-A-P-Z-O-K, across all social media platforms. Do us a favor and follow Force Center Pod. Tell us what you thought about Bloodline and what you've thought about all the other Star Wars canon books so far. There's a lot to choose from. If you haven't started reading, you better start <laughs> catching up. Uh, guys, we're on iTunes, Podomatic, and Stitcher. If you're on iTunes, rate and review. It definitely helps us in our place in the Star Wars media discussion galaxy. We need your help. Vote Leia, vote Force Center. That's what we need. So, until next time, I'm Ken Napsuck for Joseph Scrimshaw. We'll see you next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.